This episode of the CZ Media Podcast is brought to you by Rancho Bravo Tacos. They have two convenient locations, Capitol Hill and Wallingford. I love going to Capitol Hill. I'll go order my food, whether it be tacos, burritos, or tamal. I love their tamales. They're fantastic. And then I'll go sit on the patio, enjoy my meal, and then wait for something interesting to happen. And given that it's Capitol Hill, something interesting always happens. If you don't have time to go to either location, you can always order through your favorite food ordering app, Uber Eats, Caviar, or Chow Now. They make it really easy to get all of your favorite items. So next time you're craving some delicious Mexican food, stop in or order. You'll be glad you did. Before we get started, I want to remind everyone to check out our sponsors, Rancho Bravo Tacos. I mean, I love street food. I love Mexican street food. How about you, Vanessa? I love it. I have been to Rancho Bravo many, many times, oh. especially while drunk. So yes, they sad. do they do the Lord's work. They do. Really. Um, that is definitely the place to go after you hit the clubs on Capitol Hill here in Wallingford. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a new item called the Birria Taco. It's delicious. It's a slow-cooked beef. Then they they simmer it in these really good sauce, put cheese on it, griddle it, put more cheese on it, toast it, put more cheese on it. And then it's served with this consume, which is this um, kind of like soup, but you dip the taco in it. Oh, my God. Super delicious. They're about to release a new item called a papa loca, which is the super fancy version of a spiraled fried potato. Whoa, but it'll that be I want to try. It'll be really good. So check them out. And then um, check out Jackson uh, over at Crunchy Red Fruit. He is he was a canless sommelier for a really long time. And through his career there, he developed the he developed relationships with a bunch of um, vineyards throughout all of Europe. Uh, and they they're small producers that really love their product, love their wine. And he brings them all together with a, uh, in his wine circle, and you get really great wine curated by him. So nice. check him out, Crunchy Red Fruit. Today, as you can see, you're seeing me face. I usually don't like to show my face. <laughs> Why? Oh, it's so lovely. Man. I'm just this big brown blob. <laughs> I'm just a big white blob, you know? <laughs> We're all just blobs at the end of the day. That's true. <laughs> but the COVID hit me right in the face this week, so I can't have anyone in the studio for a while. <clears throat> Everything's fine. 
Um, I'm probably negative as of right this second. Um, but, you know, the whole be responsible and keep people at Bay part here too. So Vanessa, you know it's appreciated. Well, <laughs> yeah, there's no way it's like, um, my previous guest, he was here and then like four days, three, four, four days later is when I got my test and I'm like, Holy mackerel. It's like, do I got to call him and tell him that I'm it's so, so I <laughs> it's called like having him. an STD. That's exactly what I told him. <laughs> oh, I said, you know what? I said, I know what it feels like to have had sex with someone and then call them and tell them that you have herpes or something <laughs> like this is, I Aww. anguished over this decision to say, yo, I tested positive and you were here a few days, you know, a handful of days ago, but luckily he's clear. No. It's, yes. I got the, I also got the message from Eric. He is um, a co-host of mine for uh, strange eons. And so we were going to meet remotely if he was positive. Oh, so man. we're in the loop. I would have felt so bad. I would have felt <laughs> so, so, so bad. Oh, but luckily it wasn't. And he's clear. And, uh, you know, the herpes sticks with me and has not moved, has not moved forward. Um, but yes, uh, Vanessa, as you mentioned, you are part of the Strange Eons podcast. My audience knows you guys already because I've had both of your boys on, um, you know, one a couple times. And uh, I just love the show. As you can see, I'm oh. Ripping. oh, yeah, I got the shirt. Uh, I won't show you the underpants, but I also got the <laughs> underpants. You would be the first one not to. I will say that. <laughs> I've seen Kelly's underwear more times than I wish to, but that's okay. Hopefully, um, I mean, hopefully he listened to his mother and say, when you go out, always wear clean underpants. I hope to Christ. <laughs> um, you know, but the the podcast love definitely flows both ways. Um, we, we love your show. We love listening to it. We love... Um, participating it and it's finally my turn well thank it's you finally my turn to jump on i was a little bit nervous because i've been thrown under the bus a couple times thrown under the bus what do you i mean? have well the first one was i was well yes it's true i did say that after hearing a live show mm -hmm. there was kudos for eric for the <laughs> editing work he puts into it <gasps> I True. did say that, but That's what, okay. <laughs> what Kelly failed to mention was that that was after at least three bottles of wine. Sure. At least. <laughs> so you, you felt it, but you didn't want to say it out loud. And then you did by accident. Is that what you're saying? Well, it was one of you those. let it slip. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't even know what I was saying, first of all. Mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. so common. I'm like, I don't know what I'm saying. I have no idea. It's, it's not insulting. All of our shows are edited. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think Kelly was just trying to give you some shit. I think he was trying to put you well, in hot water. The look on his face right after I said that was he, he, he was <laughs> he had his he was sitting with his arms crossed and then I said it and then he stood up. And, he <laughs> oh, no. and then he just got this really weird look on his face. And then I'm like, oh, man, it's like I don't even really know this guy. And I've already super insulted him. I'm in like, fairness, well. in fairness, Carlos, that is after three bottles of wine, both of you <laughs> enjoyed. So Kelly might have taken that to a place it did not need to go. You know, he's uh, it's fine. He he didn't get in. And then he likes to bring up how I'm recently orphaned. So we're even Stevens. We're even Stevens on that. Good Lord. <laughs> see, see, 
That's a deep cut. <laughs> That's harsh. That's like a jail wound. It's in fun. It's in fun. Uh, so that was the one. That was bus under the bus number one. Then mm-hmm. bus under the bus number two was you couldn't properly celebrate your 150th episode because he was uber hungover. And then oh, he didn't blame me, but sure. I felt the I felt the blame. <laughs> you shouldn't feel the blame. Kelly's hungover I'm a very all the sensitive time. Person. I'm very sensitive. <laughs> if you weren't there, he would have been hungover anyway. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true, probably. All right. <laughs> No, so thank I mean, you, even though you know what, as much shit as Kelly might give you, um, he has such a man crush on you. <laughs> we hear about how amazing you are yeah. nonstop. Like I started getting mad about it. I was like, Kelly, you're ours. <laughs> you can't, you can't leave us. I'm a lunatic. I don't want to hear about this other podcaster. I'm a lunatic, and I'm attract other lunatics. So, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> what does that say about me? Oh no! You are no. You know what? I don't even know what you are. Um, actually, th- this is kind of an interesting topic. <clears throat> yeah. You have a hundred. Well, no, you have about what a hundred episodes with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One hundred fifty, I think. Yeah. Well, you. Oh wait! Oh, that like, I'm on. That you're yeah, actually so, on. Totally. Yes, you got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've, I've already completely deviated. Um, but the reason I'm bringing this up is because I was scrolling through Instagram today and yeah. I came across Bob Saget's account and mm-hmm. rest in peace, Bob Saget. Uh, yeah. And his account still up there. And the last picture that he posted was right after his show, mm-hmm. uh, like the day before he passed. So wow. now he just has tens of thousands of comments. And I thought, man, I told my wife, I said, House, this is really surreal because this is literally, you know, hours, less than a day. Yeah. And then he's, you know, he's not here anymore. And then just thinking about that and then thinking about how, you know, I only have 82 episodes out there. But, you know, in 10 years, you, people can still hear the absolute lunacy that comes out of my mouth. Yeah. And I think that that's a really interesting thing to think about um yeah you live forever now through I mean you think about um I I actually have a a master's in lit like in another life when I was studying books and um you would go to these archives these old archives to discover what the writer's letters were and that's how you found out about their lives was through Mm -hmm. the correspondence they had with their loved ones and with their friends and they have these like just ancient letters and they were talking about how they were afraid in the modern day they wouldn't have access to anything they wouldn't be able to build an archive off of people because everything was through email and now I'm wondering if our digital footprint is going to be like enormous. So right. all of us will be buried with these like thumb drives or something. And you can go through and see all of our po- photos and Instagrams and podcasts and, you know, everything that we ever did feels like it's, it exists and will exist for all of time. My yeah. great, great, great grandkids might be like, oh, hey, there's that day that Grammy got drunk <laughs> on the, on the strange eons yeah. radio that's that's just really if you really think about it that is mm. mind smashing yeah, um and especially for you know especially for people who put themselves out there it's even more so 
like just yeah. the regular person who just does those dopey videos. It's like, okay, you might get a, you know, a 10 second clip that's worth anything. But then for someone who has spoken into a microphone for any considerable of time, that is a really interesting thing. Even just thinking of Roger Ebert, where yeah. he lost his voice, but a company out of New Zealand, I believe, went, did this whole archive of his voice. And, and when he typed, it was his voice that was reading, that was people could hear. So That's he had crazy. so much content out there that he could have, you know, the word flabbergasted need to be said. I'm sure he <laughs> had said it at some point and he could say it after, you know, after his, uh, he, he had his treatment where he couldn't speak anymore. What a weird thing though, because I bet he would hate that. <laughs> Because like the, the intonation is going to be different each time you say flabbergasted and yeah. now forever that one time that you said flabbergasted time. and it was in that one way. <clears throat> I mean, I know I would be like, what the fuck, man? Right. That wasn't what I meant. <laughs> that, that wasn't how I came across at all. Yeah. Or even Val Kilmer now. Oh, He's gosh. the same way. Did you have yeah. you seen his documentary? I think no, it's just I called not. Val. It's on Amazon oh. where I didn't know this. He kept this pretty pretty quiet but he lost his ability to speak a few years ago mm. and what uh, did he have um throat cancer i believe or? so mm. yeah i believe so and um in the documentary it's just about him going because he was an avid archivist of his life so he has oh. boxes and boxes of of uh footage of himself and of pictures like a lot wow. of behind the scenes and a lot of the movies he was in uh his kid narrates which kind of sounds like him but it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's just got me thinking. And then if you, you know, once I started thinking about that, then you start thinking about movies and how people make movies and like, that's there. Mm -hmm. Like, we don't know. I mean, you leave your mark. So when you make movies, that's what you're leaving. And mm -hmm. to tie it back to what we were talking about off air is I think that's really cool with someone who has an idea, you know, either their buddy had an idea and then he brings on another buddy that says, hey, I know how to hold the camera. I know how mm -hmm. to use a microphone. And then you mm -hmm. bring it all together and then poof, you can make this film happen. And whether yeah. it is fantastic or whether it's not, that is super impressive that you were able to wrangle. And that's why I wanted to chat with you because I've seen a few of your short films. And it's like, that's man, so that weird. is like super cool. <laughs> yeah you know it is it's interesting too I was just thinking as you were talking how it's so strange I made these short films when I, I was almost a different person I had graduated film school in England and this is now God, well over you know probably between 15 and 20 years ago mm. right and um, I had a short film um, about a girl who is part deer <laughs> and <laughs> Um, which I'm, I'm still very proud of, but it was such a long time ago. And I, uh, Eric played it at a film festival that he was running. Um, and that's how I met Eric, but, um, he was introducing me to some people during the summertime and they were like, oh yeah, heart. And I'm like, what? Wow. They're like, yeah, we know you through heart. And I'm like, how, <laughs> like, how? <laughs> how is this the case? Like it, it only played so many places and you don't think that you have 
when you make art, you don't think it has an impression. You don't really think that it has a footprint, but it does. Right. It really does just keep going beyond you. It, it first hits your inner circle and then outer circles. And you never know like who's going to see it and how they're going to interpret it and where it's going to, where it's going to go. So it's, I don't know. It feels like it's always valuable to put out there, even if you're still learning and trying and struggling. Right. And- I mean, the it's easy to hate. It's easy to break down and criticize. Mm-hmm. It's the hardest yeah. thing in the world to create. <clears throat> and then to, you know, bring in other people who share in it. And oh my uh, gosh. so in, in, in how many short films in total have you made? Um, so I have made, I think it's eight or seven or eight. Oh, wow. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, I have, I have a couple that I haven't um, put out. Like I, I filmed and they're in a certain point in the post process and never quite pushed out the nest. So I'm, I'm trying <laughs> to, during COVID finally do that finished business, but um, yeah. And I've, I've been a part of many, many more than that. Oh, um, that so cool. But as far as my own writing directing, I'd say somewhere, somewhere around seven <clears throat> or eight. Then she feels like nothing. So how many are, available to see because i think i've only seen three i think three yeah um i think um i've got a couple so jonah and the whale heart um ooh, uh red summer i think those are the the ones that are publicly out there and then there's a lot of film school stuff that i have buried <laughs> that i don't want anyone to find under any circumstances why uh, they're bad they're so bad they're so bad i want to see one now no, the first the first short film I ever made, which was halfway through film school, the um, halfway through film school, you have to make your first short and they just push you out of the nest. And then at the end of film school, they had me do a second one. And that first one, it is every cliche a young <laughs> emotional girl could have. There is um, <laughs> there is talk of suicide. There is death. There is, yeah, it's dark. She's crying, but she's also wearing Converse because she's cool. <laughs> she goes in a graveyard and she hangs out. She's taking pills. Like there's Shakespeare. It starts on a black screen with Shakespeare. It is so unbelievably bad. It's absolutely horrific to watch. But I, I do have to say rewatching it, um, which I, I did pretty recently, uh, I was like, oh, hey, that's my old apartment. That's what that looked like. That's fun. So it was awful. But I was like, ah, oh, memory lane. I can at least enjoy that. Did you have a goth phase? Uh, emotionally, yes. <laughs> Physically, no. <laughs> goth on the inside. <laughs> see, I want to see this, though. Is it how many people are in this? Is it one? Is it, Are you in it? Are you in it and directing? Um, I had to play the voice of a sister on a telephone call because I didn't have any other female Americans to play the part. I did hire oh. an actress and I convinced a friend's father and sister to be extras in it who walk in the background at one point. So pretty <laughs> solid work. I really pulled out the big guns for that. So did you did you go to film school here in Seattle? I did not. I went to film school in England. Oh, okay. Yeah. That yeah. is super cool. So this yeah. okay, this is the crazy thing about having listened out I'm 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 nuts. Um I <laughs> I mostly listen to podcasts. I don't listen to sure. the radio. I don't listen to I barely even watch network TV. I mostly just watch YouTube. Yeah. Same. Yeah. But I know that you grew up in Anderson Island. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> you yeah. went to you went to the UK after high school. Mm-hmm. Um, you like pizza and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You don't like fart jokes. <laughs> <laughs> It's like somebody, it's like if I got to heaven and somebody has like a screenshot of my life and it's just like one-liners, all accurate so far. (laughs) And actually you've spoken about uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that I've actually, I've never read a comic in my whole life. I read my first one not too long ago. Oh, which one? It was on comic, comic. Comicsology? Comicsology? Yeah, mm-hmm. it was one of the free ones, but it's like a reboot. Oh, huh. Interesting. It was only 28 pages, and it followed yeah. the storyline of this of the Megan Fox Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is, I hated. Oh, no. That sounds upsetting. It was, yeah, where? Yeah. Where, you know, she named them, and yeah, I didn't like that at all. <laughs> and they're aliens. Yeah. They're not even they're, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> They're alien turtles. Yeah, it's nuts. So because, you know, so the, the I completely lost my frame of thought, but I, I will blame it. To, <laughs> I will blame it on COVID brain. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I like the turtles. I know you like the turtles. I know you yes. like the turtles. Yeah. So you 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 wrote it, right? What's this called? This first one oh, that we're talking about? The first film? Yeah. Why? Why should I say it out loud? Oh, OK, let's call it. <laughs> Uh, it's it's called it, goth. It's, it's called property of blood, which oh is a King Lear God. quote, which starts the film. It's also one of Megadeth's most famous songs. Oh really? <laughs> no, oh. it's not true. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I don't know enough about Megadeth to not get. Yeah, neither do I. To get, get pawned by that. So you had this idea for this. You said, but so the film school project. They just said, yeah. make one. Here you go. So yeah. I like my brain automatically goes, what camera did she use? What microphone did she use? Did she do on camera mic uh, on camera audio or did she do external? Did someone right. hold the boom? How did right. she mix? Because I'm hor- I'm not very good at syncing audio. Yeah, it's I like a to just do everything ass. in camera. So, mm-hmm. so that's what my brain goes to. So I will sure. ask those questions first. Give me the, the technical deets first. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I mean, it's film school. So everything's like um, big, bar- big borrow or steal. Mm. Uh, my film school was not cheap, but that doesn't mean that they didn't skimp out at every possible <laughs> opportunity. So um, for the first film that we did, uh, we weren't, we didn't have to find our own crew we had to use each other to a certain extent. So my assistant director and um, my producer, all those people who were um, a little less technically inclined were people from my class. And then they gave me a a DP and they gave me a sound guy. Yeah. So I actually did have a DP and I did have a sound guy, but um, the problem is like when DPs and sound guys are hired to film schools to help people do their very, very first ever <laughs> film, they don't exactly hold a lot of regard for these people. No. So my DP hated me. Uh, I can't remember my sound guy liking me much more than that. And um, yeah, but but yes, uh, they were recorded separately. It wasn't a great camera. It was a, a pretty shitty Sony camera at the time that shot onto mini DV tapes. Oh, okay. um, and that was how actually most of my initial short films were done until like my fifth or sixth film. So have you ever shot uh, anything on a film camera? 
I have not. Mm. Uh, it would be so cool. It would be so cool. But uh, we were as expensive as my film school was. They were not willing to pay for film stock. No, so. I love film. I take, yeah. I have one digital camera and probably two dozen film cameras. Mm. Um, I develop yeah. my own black and white. I, oh my God. It's relaxing to me. Wow. Um, mixing chemicals and yeah, all of that stuff. I did that in high school. I took a photography class and I was really bad at it. So it's probably for the best that I don't develop film, but that's such an incredible, it's such a, a physical process and it, it smells it awful. Does. It very much so. Yeah. But, but it makes you feel like you're really uh, part of it, you know, which is it, pretty cool. So I love shooting. I've taken thousands and thousands of photographs. Mm-hmm. I've developed hundreds of roles, wow. <laughs> like maybe, maybe 50 of them are worth even keeping. That sounds about right. Like a D, 50 of them are a D. Uh-huh. Maybe 3% of them are a C plus. I don't think people realize how effing difficult it is to like actually process film. Like, I, I mean, like I said, in high school, I took like a film class it is so hard. I think out of the whole year, maybe out of a hundred pictures, I had two yeah. hey, that's that like good... weren't blurry <laughs> and like actually developed kind of within a visibility that the human eye could see. <laughs> it's really hard. It's really, really hard. So that's, I mean, the fact that you keep doing it, that's incredible. Man, I'm a glunt for punishment, man. No kidding. You I'm... have to hate yourself <clears throat> to do that. I've taken this, tr- I've taken trips to uh, Italy Slovenia. Oh, wow. Um, uh, well, in, in, in like Mexico, we go to Mexico a ton and then just feel that yeah. I have these fantastic pictures and then I come home and get them developed. And uh, that's the worst. I, I had a similar, even though I had other people develop my pictures for me, I would still, you know, go to um, uh, the Vatican and, you know, take pictures and be like, yeah, this is incredible. And later look at it and be like, why did I bother? I should have bought some postcards and just stuck them in. Like that would have been it. a better situation. That's right. No, I've, I've, I'm not even, I'm not even mad about it anymore. Mm. It's, but I still enjoy doing it. Um, mm-hmm. I still buy, I still buy crazy lenses for my stuff because, Oh, this is wow. the lens you need for the Pentax six, seven. This oh, is the yeah. lens you and this- need old Russian lenses and God, there are some beautiful, incredible lenses out there. So one of the things that happened for a later film of mine, um, I think actually it was for heart. So I shot that movie. Um, a lot of people will come back to me and say, Oh, it's really beautiful. It looks really incredible. The colors really pop and it, you really get the sense of depth. What they don't know is that camera had a fixed lens Mm. and I used what was called the movie tube adapter. Mm which um, uh, is this kind of artificial lens you put on the top of a fixed lens to allow you to swap lenses in and out to give it a cinematic feel. So it was just pure cheating, just (laughs) absolute cheating. And there are ways to make crap look so gorgeous through lenses. I mean, we're not all, um, we're not, who, who directed The Shining? Uh, uh, Kubrick. Kubrick. We're not Kubrick who yeah. can get custom made, you know, mm-hmm. 0.2 
aperture lenses made for his yeah. <laughs> for his film. I mean, half of us can't, <laughs> you know, rent a diopter, which is literally two lenses with like a smear in the middle. Like right. even that is really hard to get a hold of and they're expensive. Yeah. But, you know, when you can every little bit you can do um is incredible. One of my favorite photographers is Maplethorpe. Robert hmm. Maplethorpe and a common thing that they used to do back in the 70s to get this nice glow that you mm. can just do glossy and blur now in Photoshop to get this is that they would put uh, um, uh, leg leggings, pantyhose. I don't know what they're called. Now. Yeah. They um, just, yeah. Pantyhose. They yeah. would just put pantyhose over the lens and then it just uh, stretch it out and then just diffuses mm -hmm. that light and you get this nice soft image. Or even in the 80s, they would put Vaseline on the lenses to get yep. to get this. Just smear it on around. So it's not cheating. It's using it's innovation it's right which is funny because pantyhose has a really strong tradition in filmmaking because you also use that to um prevent on mics um prevent the, oh, yeah. the high-end pitches yep. in the spittle from hitting you would just take pantyhose and stick it on a a little round thing in front of the mic that exactly is, just like that pretty much pantyhose yeah. material Yep, that's one step away. That's that's really nice pantyhose right there. That's expensive ass pantyhose. Yeah, so that's I mean, the, the, as directors, I mean, assuming you have to think of all of this stuff because it's like I mm -hmm. want to do this, but I obviously I can't buy the tool that's specifically made for it, so I have to adapt. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think a lot of filmmaking is problem solving. Um, a, a lot of it is just being able to think on your feet and to fix issues in the moment, because not only are you not going to, when you're starting out, especially, you're not going to have a lot of money. You're not going to have a lot of options. So you're trying to scramble stuff together and make things just happen. Mm -hmm. um, but then on the day, everything's going to go wrong anyway. <laughs> so all your plans are going to go out the window and you've got to figure it out right there in the moment while you've got a crew and cast and right. everybody just standing there waiting, looking at you, <laughs> just looking at you. That's so funny. It's the Mike Tyson quote of everyone has a plan until get hit until they get hit in the face. Kind of applies yeah. to anything. You think you have a it plan. It really does. But nope, nope, it's out the window. So yeah. that, not only that I have my laid back Mexican attitude of mm -hmm. mm, it is, we'll do. It's uh I'm not a planner. <clears throat> I'm definitely uh I related the the quote that the Joker did in The Dark Knight when he's in the room with Harvey Dent, where he goes, do I look like a man with a plan? <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, that's me. Because it's like, unless you're the only person that this plan hinges on, mm -hmm. it's it's a, it's a roll of the dice if it's going to work or not. So why get <laughs> so emotionally invested in the plan? It, film is so hard because you do... Uh, you do want to plan as much as humanly possible up front. You want to do as much as you possibly can ahead because so much is going to go wrong that it's almost like you're coming with all your arsenal and it's like, okay, I, I, I don't have much of a budget, but I did spend, you know, months on the script, making sure the script is tight. And I spent a bunch of time trying to make sure that I at least had a location that looked okay. And I tried to really scour the actors and I couldn't pay them much, but even so, like I spent the extra time finding the right people. So it's weird. It's like a mix of um, both. It's a mix of being able to just 
roll with it and not freak out and not have a meltdown when everything falls apart <laughs> in front of you. Right. But also to be able to try and, and show everybody around you that you have shown up and you're like the captain. It's it's like being in the army. Yeah. It's like I've I've shown up. I have you know the 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 war plans, and I'm I'm ready to go. I know what we're gonna do. Blah blah blah. Well, turns out they're coming from the east, sir. Oh well, you know what? <laughs> That's fine. We can just make that work too. Yeah. Let's just turn around. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. there's being prepared, and then yeah. there's being dead set on your plan. <clears throat> yes, and that's the problem. I think you're totally right, right there. Like if you can't pivot, if you can't um, accept when things go wrong, you're going to have a really bad time in the film world. Right. Really bad. You're not going to, you're just not going to make it. It, (laughs) It's never going to be what you think it's going to be ever (laughs) at any given moment. Um, I I mean, heart. So one of my short films is a really, really good example of this because um, just, just speaking from my own experience, there were so many things that went horrifically wrong with that movie. Uh, for example, that movie is a silent film um, with a beautiful musical score. Right. It feels almost like a music video, right? It's really like touching and it feels like the music drags you through. It's because I couldn't afford a sound guy. <laughs> <laughs> that is so interesting. I couldn't afford one and I knew I couldn't afford one. And so I was like, well, I can't have, I can't have anybody there to do it. I'm not going to waste my time on getting somebody who's like really subpar or getting a friend to do it. It's going to sound like garbage. I'll just compose something later. Um, and there's this really beautiful moment where, um, my, my lead actress who is part deer, um, in, interacts with a herd of deer and they come up to her and she feeds them and, all this stuff. Now I was trying to figure out what to do with this damn deer scene for like <laughs> weeks. It's like where are these weeks. deers coming from? Yeah, totally. I was like looking, I was scouting out English parks and I was like, okay, Richmond park has a lot of deer, but how do I know they'll be there on the day? <laughs> like, am I going to have to run around chasing these deer, trying to find deer? And out of nowhere, a friend of mine was like, oh yeah, me and my girlfriend just went on this like weird, um, a uh, thing where we went to this sort of English version of Northwest Trek, mm. and this one guy owns like several farm fields, and he decided to like he he inherited this farmland and he threw it all out the window, and he was like, you know what? I don't want to be a farmer. I'm just going to make it into a, a sanctuary for the local animals. And because of that, he had all these deer, different kinds of deer, oh. came and like <laughs> established families on his farm and he had three different herds that were living there and so um I talked to him and convinced him to let me film there and uh he asked how much uh money I had and uh gave me a price and I said okay what if I told you it was a student film and he changed that price significantly and it actually wasn't a student film it was actually post student film. Well, we're but always I, learning. But you know what? We're always learning. And I asked him, what if I didn't say I was? And uh, so for a shoestring budget, he let me film with his herds of deer oh, who were cool. right there. Yeah. And and they they um, knew him as like their leader. So if he walked behind my camera from left to right, they would follow him. Oh, nice. I mean, this is all happy accidents. This is stuff that happened days before I started shooting. <clears throat> so it could have been a totally different beast. And 
that's that's why filmmakers are incredible people because they freaking made it happen. Would you ever whatever resorted, it is? Would you ever resorted to like cutouts of deer? Oh my god, CG deer or cardboard deer or I don't even people know what in I would have done. Deer costume. Yeah, I, totally. Just get somebody like that would have been too expensive. I couldn't have rented a full deer costume. My god. I could barely afford the like almost everything that people are wearing on that film was just stuff that I bought and returned after they all had to keep their tags on. That's funny. I didn't even think about wardrobe. Yeah. Yeah. Just, it's wow. expensive. See, in my stuff, everyone's just wearing their regular stuff. But of course, mm-hmm. if you want them to have a look, because in your yeah. in that short film, they're like in the uniform, right? Yeah. They're in like a school uniform. Yeah. They're in school uniform. Yeah. I saw it. <laughs> That's so weird. It's so weird you saw this movie I made in 2007 and we're in 2022. No, when she took her hat off and there was horns. I'm like, whoa. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had a, a girl that I, I somehow got a hold of was able to cast these little deer horns and make it happen and, and attach it to this girl's hair. It was incredibly painful every time she took her hat on and off. They really like pulled and yanked onto her scalp and uh, she was a real trooper. Nice. Yeah, that is super cool. So, I mean, that's what I was saying. That's the people who make people who make I just find super fascinating. Yeah. And it's like I want I I want to shadow like it would be like one of the things that I want to do is to just just be a fly on the like just shadow and watch how all that works. I've joined a few. uh, I don't use Facebook which I probably should because they're not Instagram just isn't built that way. And that's what I use mostly, but I've, yeah. I've joined um, these groups, filmmaker groups on Facebook, but it seems like they're a lot of this stuff is just this, like there's a bunch of people that flake out on everything. Nothing really ever seems to happen. A lot of people yeah. have ideas, but don't actually doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing that I do not like. <clears throat> and I've actually ended friendships because of this where people who have like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that but then at the end of the day they don't do anything and all they do is waste my time waste my brain in all of these (laughs) things and it doesn't go anywhere and i don't like that so that's part of the reason that i'm really i'm really digging talking to you guys and listening to your show is because you've done You've done it. And I'm like, that is just, I'm just so, you know, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. So I, I teach sometimes part-time some film stuff and I talk to my students about what it takes to be a filmmaker and the, the threshold is so low. Show Mm. up, (laughs) show up and you will be successful. Yeah. That's what it's like for a lot of things too. It's weird. Come. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So many people do flake out. And it's amazing how many people have a dream or a vision or an idea or enthusiasm, but they can't just show up. Right. And if you can just do that, then already, I mean, Seattle is very famous for that because we've got the Seattle freeze. Mm. So as it is, people are do not want to leave their homes. 
they don't want to leave the comfort of their blankets and their <laughs> their the glow of their televisions. And if you throw in the concept of standing in the rain and filming something, they're like, yeah, that sounds great until the day. And then they're like, that sounds awful. <laughs> so Seattle, wife, we have a lot of that. My wife attributes the origins of the Seattle freeze to the fact that there have been three serial killers here who preyed on people who they were asking for help, like Ted Bundy. One of his oh. one of his victims was in Snohomish, Sammamish, yeah. Sammamish Lake, and Ooh. he pretended to be hurt and needed help with something, and then the girl helped him, and then by the wow. time he did that, so that's what she attributes the Seattle freeze to, where it's just not not a lot of motivation to go out and do stuff because you're raised saying these serial killers are going to get you. <laughs> I'm from Chicago. I'm well close to Chicago. I'm from the Midwest. Yeah. So yeah. if people say that Midwesterners are friendly, it's not that it's just that we like to talk. It's yeah. we'll be in a line somewhere. And if Lori <laughs> leaves for any for anything, by the time she yeah. comes back, more times than not, I have already started a conversation with someone near <laughs> me about something. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm the crazy person, but yeah, you're you're yeah, right. It's just tough here. to get stuff going here. It's I've I've lived here in Seattle yeah. for almost 20 years, mm-hmm. and it was it's really I mean I have like three pockets of friends that are all yeah. into something, but I was really only able to get those within the last 10 years. Wow. Before that, yeah. it was really tough. It was really tough for me to insert myself into. I mean. I'm a jerk a lot of the times too. <laughs> you know, I like to offend. Yeah, Seattle it, it is a really strange thing and I I you know, your wife definitely I love her theory. I think that's incredible. Um I don't think we're that smart. <laughs> I I really think it's down to we don't I think it comes down to we're friendly and in the moment we love to make the people around us happy. We're people right. pleasers. So we're going to have like a very friendly conversation, but then when it comes to the action right. and when it comes to the follow-up, the idea of pursuing something or pushing something or, or going that extra step, it just, it's a bridge too far. And mm. I, I really, for me, I always think it comes down to how rainy it is because the idea of <laughs> if I have to get out of my house and go somewhere to like another person's house. I have to walk from my front door through the rain to my car, in my car, go and park, get out of my car and walk through the rain to somebody's house. I then have to sit in their house for three hours wet and just sit there uncomfortable and wet, trying to make talk while I feel like crap and dream of just being home. Right. And then finally I can escape and I drive back and I get home and I take off all my wet clothes and then I'm finally dry and happy. And I think <laughs> there's a lot to that. I think people just don't want to be wet. Just don't want to do it. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. I understand like in England, you know, we had, it was so weird um, in London, I should say not England, but in London, uh, no one wants to talk to you. Right. A lot of people I knew had a horrible time because they also could not make friends. They could not make connections. If you try to, strike up a conversation with somebody on the train or in the train station or just on the street, they're going to look at you like you are a madman. Mm. They're just, they don't oh. want anything to do with you. Mm. But, do well there. but if you meet somebody 
in like a normal situation, let's say a friend introduces you to another friend or you're in a class or you're in a more casual situation, you're not out in the public. If you get along with that person, you will be friends with them forever. Right. Like they attach to people for life. Like I still, if I write a sad Facebook post, I haven't lived in England for 10 years. I will still have a friend from England contact me and be like, oh my God, are you okay? What's going on? Oh. Do you need anything? Uh, do you need to fly out here? You can come and stay with me. And like, these are not even people I was super close with. Right. So it, it's every city kind of has its own vibe and its own mentality. I think you would actually do really well in England, but I need the because in. you're, yeah, <laughs> you just, you just need that initial in. You just need to start talking to people in a casual setting and they'll hang out with you every night at the pub. You do not hang out at people's homes though. That's weird. That's no, some serial killer shit right there. Mm. Yeah. Mm. See, okay, that's interesting. So people don't hang out at other people's houses. Maybe because they live, because if you're in London, it's not like you have a 2,000 square foot place where you can chill. Correct. Right. It is never going to be more than like 600 feet. Like it's, it's real small and it's shitty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had a smaller place and um, we didn't want people over very often. But when you have a bigger place, it's just a little bit better. Mm. to it's just more conducive to that i get it uh, when i when i uh when i meet people from other countries the one of my first questions is how many mexicans are there in <laughs> wherever you are mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot out there no i will say <laughs> in england the worst mexican food i have ever had in my life was in camden town in Cam- in the camden market mm. um i got a burrito and they gave me ground beef with boiled carrots and peas. Yeah, it's done in bad already. Um, and they had like sour cream in there, but it wasn't sour cream. It was like just a white cream. Hmm. They just kind of chucked in there. <laughs> and I think there was some salsa that was like canned. And some that was paste. like it. And they were like, here, here you go. go. Here's some disgusting meat roll. There wasn't any Mexicans in the back cooking. God, no. <clears throat> God, no, they were all Polish for sure. There was finally we got a a good place called Oaxaca. It took a a long time, but we did eventually get one good Mexican restaurant. If they named it that, they were probably from there. Maybe. I know that they sourced everything local and their whole thing was like, screw it. It's not about making it authentic to the the location. We're going to make it authentic with the local ingredients. Mm. And then they it was it was very good. Oaxaca. I've never been to Oaxaca. Mm-hmm. Um, but their food there is super delicious. There was this mm-hmm. restaurant in Ballard called Oaxaca. I don't oh, know if it's still there crazy. yet, though. Mm-hmm. Super good. They they mm-hmm. special. They, one of their specialties is this. It's called mole, which oh, yeah. is this like um, throughout Mexico. Some regions put more chocolate in it than others, but it's this mm-hmm. chocolate spicy sauce that's usually on mm-hmm. chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really really good. Um, and then there's one there's one on Capitol Hill, I believe, but I don't think it's the same one. But it's still called Oaxaca. You can't go. I don't think you can go wrong <laughs> going to a place that's called Oaxaca. And you know what? That's fair. How do you find the Seattle Mexican culture? Do you feel like there's? Do you feel like there's much of one, or is it really really lacking? Or like I am fascinated because I know we have a very strong Asian culture <clears throat> and we have for many years, but. Um, it's, it's taken a long time for South America to kind of bridge its way up through the North. There isn't much here. Um, when we go to, so my wife and I are 
uber wine drinkers. So mm-hmm. when we go to the east side of the state for to go to wine tastings and to wineries, yeah. there's a, yeah. a whole lot more. So I tend to find try to find them and have conversations <laughs> with them. Uh, but here there are, but well, I use the term real Mexican. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? What does real Mexican mean? <laughs> From Mexico? Yeah. Like I was born in Mexico. Okay. Um, English is my second language. I remember going to kindergarten first day and not know. I, I remember it as if it were yesterday of my mom dropping me off at school, just saying, which means go over there. And I stood in line and then the, the, I just followed the rest of the kids in. I remember going to the front of the room or to the, just in front of the door. And then I remember the teacher coming up to me and then just her mouth was just moving. It probably sounded like the peanuts. Oh, no. The peanuts sound. <gasps> and then she knew that I wasn't understanding. So I, I remember her stretching her hand out. <clears throat> and then I grabbed it. I held her hand and then she just led me to my seat and I sat down. Aww. Like, I remember that very, oh very God. clearly. Wow. Uh, so you're real Mexican right. because you're actually born in Mexico and uh, English is your second language. And English is my second language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the, so then we don't, there's the, the other Mexican is called the no sabo Mexicans, which are Mexicans who were born here mm. and Spanish is their second language. Oh, sure. And okay. they, but they know Spanish but and they understand they, the culture. They, don't know Spanish very well. Like mm, mm-hmm. the no sabo means no sabo. No, actually. So no sabo is a way that a Spanish a Mexican kid who doesn't know Spanish says, I don't know. He says oh. no sabo, but it, that's incorrect. It's actually no se. But because oh. he does a mix of Spanglish. Oh. Does that mean? <laughs> it's this oh, whole no. Mexican dynamic. There's a whole I, lot of moving parts within within yeah. Mexico, Central, and South America. Like there's a ton. There's a there's so many different. We're all different. Mexicans yeah. are different from Puerto Ricans to Brazil. Uh, uh, oh, Brazilians sure. are super different to Venezuelans, yeah. Chileans, Argentine, Argentinians. They're all so different. Yeah. Um, but with Mexicans, that, that's the. Like even Do in you, Mexico City, so people from Mexico City, yeah, yeah, they are uber egotistical and so proud of being from Mexico City that they literally consider the rest of the country just ranches and oh, sure. farmland. Like they yep. think they are the center of, and those Mexicans are called Chilangos from Chilangolianda. Oh, and everyone else is from Provencia, which means from provinces, province. which is like barren. Oh my god, that's <clears throat> it, so good. So it's it's like I, mean, I grew up. Um, uh, I grew up. Well, later on, my best friend was from Mexico City, and he mm-hmm. had a lot of of his family there. So mm-hmm. you know they 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 have this whole accent thing, which is very mm-hmm. different than where for my family is. Um, mm-hmm. So I developed that little bit of an accent. They have a little bit more of sing-songy. They'll say something like, Orale, como estas? Vamos para allá, tomando unas chelas. <laughs> so that's very Mexico City. But wow. then okay. But then where my family is from, we're from mm-hmm. northern Mexico, which is called Monterrey. They're more gruff. 
<clears throat> they'll say, mira, chamaco, no hagas eso. Apacíguate. Like, they're like the Japanese of <laughs> the Mexican Like, accent. short and curt. Yeah, you're right. Oh, that's Whereas so good. Mexico City is really sing-songy. See, I forgot how, where I was going with this, too. How yeah. infuriating is it when um, people confuse um, Spanish, Spain, uh, Spanish with Mexican Spanish? Because in Spain, everything's with a lisp. And it's a, such a different way of speaking, not, not you know, least of what, which is that a lot of the vocabulary is not overlap. It really is a, pretty much a different language, but, you know, it's just so different. And, different. and the idea that people, you know, think that it's the same thing has got to be infuriating. You know, uh, in my opinion or experience, I should say, Mexicans don't really care mm. because mm -hmm. there's, there's a world of difference. Sure. So we really don't care. What we do yeah. care is when you call us something else in Central uh. or South America. Like when I was a kid, <laughs> when I was a kid, I went to this small private school and uh, one of my teachers was doing roll call. And then they were, I forget what the conversation was, but there was like, where are you from? And then we had one girl from Puerto Rico and mm -hmm. then I was the Mexican and, uh, the teacher goes, Puerto, Puerto Rico, Mexico, it's very similar. Very, it's, it's the same, pretty much, is what the teacher said. Whoa. And then, it's like, I kind of looked at him really weird, but I didn't say anything. But her name was Nilda. That's so funny that I still remember seventh grade. Her that that searing anger. She got sits in mad. You. She stood up and then... I don't think she cussed out the teacher, but she said, don't you ever say that again. Puerto Ricans are not the same. as Like, she went full out wow. saying that we weren't the same. Whereas, I mean, I didn't really. Like, I was. Yeah. I didn't really feel one way or another about it. Yeah. But that's, yeah. that's more of uh, fighting hmm. words than from Spain. You know, it's so funny. It, it's interesting how you get other cultures' perspectives on things that you think you you think you have a grasp of like okay well you know all of all, anything south of texas it's just all <laughs> one big lump right. it's all one big mush don't worry about it like yeah. don't try to separate out the fact that there's an entire continent down there um i i remember it was so funny cuz when i um lived in england on 4th of july i thought i was going to get a lot of shit good lord they could care less right they could care less that they lost America. They lost <laughs> India. Are you kidding? They lost way bigger fish than America. Right. To them, we were just a drop in a very large, uh, horrific hat of colonization. The colonists. So they're just like, you know, we don't even have citizenship rights. Like uh, anybody from a lot of the colonies get to live in England for one year. No, no questions asked. Oh. And they can. Yeah. So a lot of Australians and um, Canadians can can move out there and work there for one year. And that's like the deal. Oh. That's the we're sorry we colonized your <laughs> land deal. The consolation prize. Yeah, it is. It's their <laughs> consolation prize. You can come and hang out for a year. It's cool. Don't worry about the rest. It's great. That's so funny. I think the Australians get really pissed when you confuse them with being British. I've had a Australians few get, get really mad. pissed when you like confuse them with New Zealanders. Like they're very picky. Yeah, it was. Yeah, they. they I've done it a couple times. Mm. Um, no, it's you know the you, like this is just the tip of the iceberg of how a lot of uh, the Mexican 
Because I don't even like mm. the word Latin, to tell you the truth. I'm Interesting. Not Latin. Okay. It's like I'm, yeah. I'm Mexican. Like the, the sure. dynamic between all of these countries. Um, I've talked about it a ton. And uh, the only people who stick to the we're all the same, they're the younger ones. They're the younger um. ones who are, mm, who are, uh, let's see, what's the, what's the term? I know exactly, are woke. They're the ones right. who are in this, <laughs> the, who, who, who want to put a blanket around everyone and say that we're the same, but it, that's just not true. Yeah. <clears throat> it's not true. There's I went to, I'm sorry, go there's, ahead. There's something really beautiful about having your own unique heritage and, and knowing what that is and what that looks like and what that feels like and identifying with it and representing it and to just say, okay, I'm one of a, like, I, I, on a very different way, I understand what you mean. Cause like my family is from Bavaria mm. and we're from a teeny, teeny, tiny little town in Bavaria mm. and we are country bumpkins Yeah, to everybody. <laughs> we are from Trostenfurt. It is a, a town of like six houses. <laughs> and my family is from there and they go back all through time of just, they just grew potatoes forever. Right. And so it's hard for me to say I'm even, you know, German because it's like, I'm really Bavarian. Right. And Bavarian is very different than German. It's, right. it's not the same as Berlin. It's, it's a whole separate thing. We have a lot of, um, a lot of Nazi guilt that we get to carry around. <laughs> so that's very exciting. One of my really good buddies com- uh, said that Bavaria was the, the, the yeah the hillbillies of germany yes that, <laughs> like, that's 100 percent how they're seen yeah they're hillbillies they're they're like the southern like bumpkin you know the the embarrassment to show up and roll into your family reunion you're like ooh, <laughs> they, they don't know what just ignore them they're from they're from elsewhere yeah, they, they don't good understand beer, though they have a lot of good stuff yeah they Ham. don't want to drink milk cold though so avoid their milk because they sit it out for like three hours before they drink it. That's common. Mexicans, it's weird. Well, it, do mean, they? Yeah. So the we took my mother in law to Mexico uh, like mm. five years ago, and mm. where we go to Mexico, it's not a. I mean, it's it's called it's Mazatlan. It's a it's a it's a modern city. It's not mm. like it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's right on the it, it's it's a it's a coastal town. It's really nice. But it's still Mexico. So we took my mother-in-law there. And the first day we went to Soriana, which is the QFC of Mexico. <laughs> sure. And the the meat aisle was just this meat case with ice with the meat thrown on top of the ice, not wrapped. Sure. And the yeah. fish were there too, was, was there also. And then <laughs> the milk was just out on an aisle. Yeah, it was. A, it didn't need it to be refrigerated, and she freaked out. Sure, she was like, "This cannot be safe." <laughs> I was yeah. like, "This cow was probably alive yesterday." Yeah, <laughs> it it's like pretty. This. It's pretty recent. And whatever they do to the milk, <clears throat> just doesn't need in, to be refrigerated. In Paris, that it's like that with oh. um the yogurt. The yeah. yogurt is just sat out there, and I'm like, "Ooh, it's room temp," but everyone's fine so yeah. i guess it must be okay it's i love seeing stuff like that in other cultures and it's be like neat. who's doing it wrong are we doing it wrong are you doing it wrong i need to know more yeah but hey you know if a bunch of people didn't die then we're then they're doing it just fine it should be fine 
Yeah, I don't have any trouble with that. I mean, but when I was a kid, when we used to go to Mexico to visit my grandparents, they did live live out in the middle of nowhere in this little tiny ranch town called Ipolito. Mm. There was no no grass, tumbleweeds, cactus. Oh, my God. Uh, all rocks and sand and wow. uh, my grandpa would kill animal he he had animals so he would kill animals and I would see them butchered and right from mm. you know the men would be out in the back killing and butchering or dressing they should say the animal and then I would be the tra- uh, they would get a plate put the meat on there and then I would go and take it to the kitchen and that's where all of my aunts and my grandma would be cooking so it would be right from wow. right from there so that stuff wow. just doesn't bother me. The yeah. milk, I, I can't do unpasteurized milk. That's a little too much. Uh, but as far as everything else, it's it's fine. But uh, What does unpasteurized mean? Like straight from the cow. Oh, okay. Like there's no like sifting process. It's, okay. uh, it's you go and milk the cow and you drink. You just drink right, it. comes from that. Man, I my imagine there's a lot of film. It. <laughs> well, I mean, it is kind of gross. It's like there's yeah. blood in it. There's it. It's there's a lot of they filter when you, we get milk here. I mean, they filter yeah. out. They filter out a ton of stuff. Whoa! And then it becomes cheese or something. And then, yeah, and dog then, food. Yeah, like my dad loved buttermilk made from that stuff, which is like hardcore. That's <laughs> like a hardcore dairy product. <laughs> oh my god! Oh. it's fun though i think a lot of people should experience that though yeah i think they should too i it's it's funny so i'm i'm um pescatarian so i'll I'll eat fish but i don't eat meat Hmm. and a lot of people are like oh like you know it's i think they have a misconception as to like what everybody's a vegetarian for their own reason everyone's got their own reason to not to not eat meat but for me it's because i can't murder an animal with my own two hands and i feel like if i can't do that then i'm a hypocrite and i don't i don't want to be that person but those people who don't know what like a dead chicken or a dead goat or whatever looks like through the whole process between Mm. it being killed it being skinned it being hung and drained it you know being dried out and then it getting cut and then it put being put in front of you for your plates Mm. the people who just get it in these cellophane wrappers where it's been artificially colored and presented as like almost a totally new entity that drives me crazy i'm like you're so far removed. Like I really respect people who kill their own meat. I respect it a lot because they're involved in the process. Like they're, they're, they've got their hands in there. Um, they know what it is they're doing and they know what it is they're eating. Right. You know, it's so funny. You, you mentioned that I'll swing this back to a movie. Mm, I, I saw this vampire movie the other day. Let's see if I can remember what the name of it is. And by the way, the show is now doing the CZ media Monday movie minute. Um, oh, Blood Red Sky. I feel like, did I see Blood Red? No, I didn't. That's one of Kelly's favorites. That's an airplane vampire movie. And this movie, there was a scene where she had just turned, she just had, this was her first vampire episode. And Mm -hmm. she goes to the refrigerator, takes out a package of meat, cuts it, and then drinks it. I'm like, that's not even blood that she's drinking. That right. red liquid in this meat package is not blood. 
What is it? It's it's this other material that leaks. A lot of some of it could be dye. Okay, maybe not oh. dye, but it's yeah. not blood. It's this, it's crazy. this other it's this other liquid that muscles produce that leaks out when it when it oh is. my god <laughs> that's nuts but it's like I turned to Lorraine I'm like this is this is part of the problem mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I, mean, I didn't I, know that there's a chance I could be wrong but I really don't think I am no I don't think you are either that, that's that, that makes a lot of sense blood. it excretes <clears throat> yeah it excretes like a different kind of liquid yeah, or it's another you know fluid. during the the, the <laughs> process of preserving it, there's something, yeah, it's sweating, something. Right. It doesn't have to be blood. Like, it's pretty good. You should check it oh. out. You should I, watch it. I'm intending on it. I'm getting a lot of crap actually from Eric as we speak. I, I'm getting texts from him saying, why haven't you seen this movie or that movie? It's really good. <laughs> Dudes, I'm trying. I'm catching up. I swear. Man, I don't see how you guys even make time to watch what you already see. Mm. I'm trying. Like, I'm trying like, try to... The only reason I've so I've seen, um, let's see, Blooderitz guy, my heart can't beat unless you tell it to the cleaning lady, bad candy, his home, fingers, villains, and then I think I saw like another five, but that's because I've literally been wow. home all week. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> I've only been able to work a little bit. It's a conscious effort. So there was a point in my life where I decided to stop watching television and be really purposeful about what I watched. Mm-hmm. So I, I cut the ties with network TV and I thought, you know, how many, how many hours when you get home and you sit down or what we used to do, I guess, as a people, um, get home, sit down, watch the news, and then wait till seven or eight o'clock and then have the programs go until like 1030 or 11 and then go to bed that's hours. That's like four hours. That's two feature films. So if you just say, you know what, I'm not going to watch these shows, but I am going to watch a movie. All of a sudden you can get through tons of content in less time. So I'm just really purposeful about how I use my time. Um, And I'm trying very, very hard. I'm, I've been behind. I didn't get into horror films until college. Ah. So I'm trying to catch up and it's, it's uphill. It's an uphill battle. There's a lot. There's so many yeah. and there, there's always new ones. I'm like, God damn it. Shutter. Your content is incredible, but like, I have so much work to do to get to where you are. I love shutter. Oh, it's so good. It's I, so good. Um, you, I saw this Dracula movie on shutter called, mm. uh, what's it called? It's with, uh, Udo here. Yeah. It's called blood for Dracula made Mm. in 1974 directed by Paul Morrison. Mm. It starts off there in Transylvania, I'm assuming. And Dracula is sick, (laughs) but he has this really loyal servant who is trying to get Mm. him healthy. And this Dracula can only drink virgin blood. Oh shit. Okay. And Transylvania is all out of virgins. <clears throat> There's a lot of banging going on. And this is a good premise. Yeah. It's like he can only drink virgin blood. So this the his his assistant says we have to go to Italy because Italy, because they're so Catholic, they're so moral, there has to be virgins <laughs> everywhere there. So they go wow. to Italy. And they find this family that have two daughters who are anything but virgins, but they 
say that they are. They're Catholic. They're, they're Catholic. Right. They're very good. But there's whatever's. even a little bit of incest going on oh, with these no. two sisters. Uh. But this is the absolute hilarious part, which makes, which I'm even talking about it, is that there's a field worker that works for this family mm. that <laughs> all of the other actors are, think are Italian. <laughs> this dude sounds like he just came over from Jersey. Oh, no. <laughs> No. He even uh. calls, he even says, you whores. <laughs> like he calls them. <laughs> like, it's so funny. It's like this, it's produced by Andy Warhol. So I don't know if this was an oh. actual choice that they made for this one guy to, like, like he just, he's from Staten Jeez. Island, this guy. It's hilarious. Oh. That's the only reason I stuck out to watch the whole thing. Cause this guy made me laugh every time. I love stuff like that, like 70s content, especially because they're pushing the envelope and they're doing so much weird shit. Sometimes you're just like, what is happening? Why? Why even pretend? Why even hire this guy? What is this guy doing here? Does no one else? I know recently a Christopher Walken is definitely an Irish farmer movie came out. Uh, I have not seen it, but um, apparently Christopher Walken was hired to play a role in which he is a Irish dude, and it is very bad. Huh. Very, very I'll have bad. to look. For, I'll have to look for that one. Mm. Uh, that's awesome. Are do you have any twenty twenty two resolutions? Uh, movie based. Movie based resolutions. Oh man. Um. Well, yeah. Well, there's one that I am doing. Um. I, I'm kind of like, oh, I'm cool. I'm a really good film person. I bought a lot of Criterion movies Ah. that I never watched, (laughs) but they sit on my shelf and it makes it look like I'm really smart. Yeah. It looks very cool. Um, So one of my resolutions is um, on Wednesdays, it's uh, backlog Wednesdays. So me and my partner are switching back and forth and, um, we each get to choose a film in our back catalog that we haven't watched because it feels like eating your vegetables. Right. And you just never want to watch them. So um, on Wednesdays, we're going through and we're watching these like old, you know, fancy pants movies. So mm. I finally saw In the Mood for Love. I've seen some samurai movies. I've seen, uh. I'm, I'm, I'm making my way through a really big stack of films that I've, I need to watch because I own them. So. I need to do that. Mm. We saw the Great Gatsby good. today. Oh, really? Which which one? The seventies one. one or the oh the new one? Yeah. The new one's pretty fun. I like. I mean, I don't. I've, I started to read it. I'm a horrible reader. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that I read that 28 page, which probably only has two pages worth of dialogue in it, with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic, is uh, an, an achievement. But, <laughs> <laughs> sure. Like I started Gatsby because I wanted yeah. to, you know, something to pretend to be smart sure but i didn't watch it i didn't read it <clears throat> but no it's pretty good yeah you know the book is it's okay it's um it's not crazy long but it does have a lot of metaphors mm. and that can be hard to like get your head around and like push through I, I fitzgerald is its own beast but the movie um it's fun it's gorgeous there's mm. a lot of glitz i think it gets a lot of that intent from the book out there so, um, and it's better than the Robert Redford um, version from the seventies. So, I saw the trailer for it, and it does not look fun. It looks uh, I saw dark. it in 
I saw it in high school and I remember it being, yeah, it feels muddy. Like all mm. the yellows are really muddy mm. and that's not what you want. You want gold to glitter if you're going to talk about the 1920s. Yeah. So does your yeah, so, partner watch all of this stuff with you or is there? Yeah, he, he has the patience of a saint. <laughs> he, he watches a lot of stuff that I'm like, look at this really weird movie that somebody would have shelved in the back, back, back corner of a library <laughs> in the 1980s. And it would have been covered in dust. We're going to watch this. Um, like I love movies like cutting class and just really bad old vinegar, not old, but vinegar syndrome movie mm. style stuff where it's really a bad film, but there's so much weirdness in it that it's kind of a fun ride. Oh. And he doesn't, but he loves really bad nineties movies that oh. I never watched. So <laughs> I finally saw like, street fighter. There's, what do you mean? Street fighter is good. You got John Claude good. Van Damme. You got Raul Julia. Raul Julia is amazing, but I never saw it. Cause I was like, mm, that looks, I mean, that's such a boys <laughs> film that never would have. That never would have stood out to me. So we each kind of compliment each other there in different go. ways. There you go. My wife tolerates yeah. some of the stuff that I watch. She doesn't like uber gore, whereas I like sure. uber gore. And sure. then she doesn't like like the she doesn't like the like the horror movies that could be realistic, <clears throat> like uh, Cry sure. Wolf. Like she doesn't like that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I understand. I mean, like horror, it is such a, I, I think it's so funny. I have students who say to me, like, I hate horror movies. I'm like, you're weird and dumb. There's no way. <laughs> there's no way you hate horror movies. It is such a huge, that's like saying, I hate books. Like, there's some books you like. You don't like all books, but there are some books you like. It's such a huge genre that there are different kinds of horror mm. and um, I'm, I'm similar. I, I don't love um, torture porn. Mm. That's definitely my, my spot where I'm like, you know, I want characters I care about. I don't want you to give me a character. I have to purposely hate just so I can enjoy watching them get killed in interesting ways. So you're not an Eli want, Roth fan. Yeah. I'm not an Eli Roth fan. I like the guy. He is super well spoken and like an interesting dude, but as far as his films, I fucking hate him. So, <laughs> but yeah, like I, I, I like movies where there's more going on and I feel like mm. horror has tons in there right. that is about so much more. Yeah. I've had a, I had a buddy. He's uh, in New York. He moved back to New York. He was only here in Seattle for a year, but he, mm -hmm. um, we would get into this debates about how, uh, minorities and women in Hollywood are, I don't think the word was underrepresented, but that they mm -hmm. were always, that, that there just wasn't, there were any strong characters. And then mm -hmm. I said, are you a horror sci-fi fan? And then he goes, right. they, they don't count. And I'm like, what <gasps> do you mean they don't count? <laughs> what do you mean they don't count? That's an awful thing to say. That is an awful thing to say. I said, I said you cannot dismiss these two huge genres of film where there are plenty of examples that you're looking for. Yeah, that's not fair. And I would also say what you want in situations like that, if you're going to make an argument about representation, you should think about movies that people see. 
So if it's a crap movie, but a lot of people see it and it has a really good representation in it, mm. it fucking counts, man. Right. Like just because it's not like mm. Oscar. Yeah. No, this was his uh, defense mechanism when he would make a statement and then I would ask a question that would, you know, make his statement incorrect. He would. Oh, no. This was his defense mechanism to say it doesn't count. Or I'm not oh. talking about that or set that aside. It's like, no, you I can't. Hate that. You can't do that. It's not if, okay, man. Especially if you're the one carrying on this conversation. It's like, mm-hmm. let's let's broaden your horizons a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's some really, really interesting representation that is um, coming to light and we're starting to see like, actually, huh, there's these, these random films here or there that had some really cool moments of representation. But we're getting now, finally, mm. to a really good point where, at least for Asian cinema, we're starting to see it become mainstream in a super positive way. Um, but yeah, this stuff, it's taken a while. It's yeah. taken too goddamn It'll, long. That's why more people need to make stuff. I mean, that's I know. the thing. We need more people yeah. to make stuff. If you yeah. hate something, fine. But make what you think then works. Oh, sweet. Did you see? Did you see how that monitor just turned on for absolutely no reason? Yeah, that was very exciting. I was like, "Oh no, did something crash?" I hope not. I hope not too. <clears throat> no, it didn't. Okay. Um, There's so a ghost in something. Here. So something that's really, really interesting that um, when I was studying uh, turn of the century literature, again, a previous life when I was into books, um, something really fascinating that happened was women weren't like allowed to write books. Mm. And so the perception was the reason why women couldn't write books is because they were really bad writers, but they were really bad writers because they couldn't write books mm. and they couldn't get the practice and they couldn't like, they weren't, you know, surrounded by other great authors and they weren't getting the influences and they weren't learning the techniques and the styles that would make a great author. So when women were finally starting to be published, there was this like tidal wave right. of incredibly awful female <laughs> writing that just washed up on the shores. And people were like, told you women can't write, but shortly after that stuff started to turn sure. into incredible, incredible it's writing. It's a process. It is. It's a process. It's a process. So I, I feel like that's that's the case. You have to let people um, make the good stuff and the bad stuff and the genre stuff and the mainstream stuff. And eventually you're going to start to see like a better shape of the whole. Right. But, you know, you got to let it happen. That's why we got to keep on making stuff. Yes, for sure. Um, well, I've taken up over an hour of your time. I super appreciate it. Um, pitch whatever yeah. you want to pitch. Well, um, I guess the thing that I want to pitch the most is just Strange Yon's Radio. Come and check us out if you um, if you haven't listened to us yet. If if you have been turned off by Eric and Kelly, but you like the sound <laughs> of me, I'm on there. <laughs> so come come check us out. Um, other than that, you know, uh, I don't know. Everything else I have in my life is is in process. I'm a I'm an editor and. Um, uh, the only film I think I've got that's out there right now on Netflix is um, Paper Tigers, which is a really fun, uh, almost family-friendly kung fu movie. Um, it's in a lot of top ten, top 10 2021 lists for action films and kung fu films. So and you please, edited that? 
I was um, the assistant editor and the guy I was assistant editing, I'm his editor. So it was a really awesome collaboration where I got to have a much bigger say than an assistant editor normally does. That's cool. um, it was really fun. It was really fun. It was six months of my life and uh, they included fart jokes I didn't want. So <laughs> it all comes full circle, but and then I've got a cat meowing at me, but, um, yeah. So if, if you feel like you want to watch a really fun family friendly movie about aging guys who are no longer good at, um, gung fu, then check it out. <laughs> See, the, I'm glad I didn't ask a whole lot of editing questions because it would have just turned into, so what's your, do you like the cross cut? Do you like fades? <laughs> it would have I gone like whatever into, one tells the best story <laughs> it would have gone into a full-on tutorial on how to do stuff i, I know and i literally just spent five hours today already just, teaching kids how to edit that's so. So funny. I was like, since i have you here i have premiere question for you i've got this render <laughs> issue that keeps popping up i'm not sure what's going on my graphics card is it's really playing back slow i have answers just dm me on the sly oh man Okay, no, so then I have to ask, if you have yeah. a technical issue, do you troubleshoot it yourself or do you have someone else troubleshoot it for you? I troubleshoot it. I, I troubleshoot it as much as I can. And then if I hit a really big wall, there's different Facebook groups that I'm part of that are editors that I know of um, that are legit editors and I can bug them and say, hey, what the heck is this, y'all? And, and usually what happens is you know, the software that I know inside and out has done an update that has broken with right. another piece of software. Man, so whack. I hate that. Yeah. It's frustrating. It's frustrating, but I like that they innovate. So I can't yeah. be too mad, but I'm also <laughs> mad when I'm on a deadline and it's a lot of money on, you know, yeah. then I'm really mad. So I hear you. Well, all right. Mm. Well, thank you again. I super appreciate yeah. it. Super. It was great talking to you. Hopefully I'm not you the too. lunatic that your your boys made me out to be no you are a a, a gentle giant <laughs> a heart of gold <laughs> a, a a lovely amazing human being that i look forward to talking to more and maybe we'll get you on our show sometime too that would be cool it'd be um, super fun yeah well everyone thank you for listening again don't forget to check out our sponsors crunchy red fruit you're gonna get some great wine Jackson knows what he's doing. And they also do wine pairing classes. Lori and I went to a wine pairing class where he paired uh, uh, chew, uh, Takis, Doritos, burgers oh from Lorena's. Lorena's in, uh, what kind in, of Doritos? Just regular Doritos. Just normal nacho cheese? Yeah. But they wow. paired it with, uh, I don't even know what kind of, it was a liqueur. It wasn't a wine. And, um, it, yeah, just he knows what he's doing. So check them out, Crunchy Red Fruit. And then when you're in Capitol Hill or Wallingford, check out Rancho Bravo Tacos. Get one of these birria tacos. They're really good. And they're filling. Like, normally, like, regular tacos, I can eat maybe eight of them. But for these birria tacos, I've had three and super full. So they're really good. They sound insane. They sound like so much food. It's a cheese and a lot of, they, they, they're not, they don't skimp out on the meat. It's well, you don't, I mean, you can choose <laughs> to have a veggie taco. Oh, sure. I've had, I've had their veggie stuff. It's real good. And I've had some other fish stuff too. They're it's good. Very excellent. Uh, and I will say, by the way, speaking of Doritos, they are, um, in the chip world, they are the pizza, the pizza of the chip world, just like the quesadilla is the p pizza of the Mexican world. <laughs> 
I just want to see that in your mind. <laughs> I will never think of them the same. Nor should you. No. <laughs> All right. And then again, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting app, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. And until the next one, thank you, Vanessa. Thank you so much. Adios.